1: No necessary. prohibited by law. plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hello, Slate Podcast listeners. I'm here to remind you to take the Slate Survey. It will be open through April 1st, and your answers help us make a better slate. It'll only take a few minutes. You can find it at slate.com survey.
1: The following podcast contains explicit language.
3: Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's Parenting Podcast for Thursday, March 19th, the We Are All Homeschoolers Now edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, homeschooler, uh, a cultural critic, or am I? I don't know. At this point, I'm a writer still. I'm a homeschooler, and I'm mom to Naima, who is six, and is sitting to my left at this very moment because there's no more school.
1: Hey, I'm Dan Coice. I'm a writer at Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family. I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 14, and Harper, who's 12, and I'm coming to you live from my house in Arlington, Virginia. I'm
2: Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm a mom to three boys, Henry, seven, Oliver, five, and Teddy, three. My husband's in the Air Force, so we're currently calling Navarre, Florida home. We have some exciting news
3: that I think longtime listeners might have been able to piece together over these last couple of months. Elizabeth is officially, officially, official. She is now the permanent third host of Mom and Dad are Fighting. Yay.
2: Woo! I'm so excited to be joining you guys. We need you
3: more than ever. <laughs> now, Elizabeth agreed to join us permanently before we all became homeschoolers. It's almost as if somehow the universe knew just how bad we were going to need you each and every week for the foreseeable future. So thank you.
2: You're incredibly timely, yes, to provide. (laughs) you know, hopefully some guidance on how to weather the homeschooling storm
1: over the next few months as schools are closed and canceled and as different studios establish different rules for who can come in and who can't. You're going to find listeners that we're going to be in all kinds of places recording this podcast. Sometimes we'll be in studios. Sometimes we'll be at home. Almost always our kids might be around or underfoot, but that's okay. It's a parenting podcast. In my case, my kids are upstairs right now. I'm in my basement. If they walk around too heavily on the floor upstairs, you will hear them stomping around like giants. And they might come down and ask me questions at any moment. And that might be the case for the next few months. So be ready for an audio adventure on Mom and Dad Are Fighting.
3: Anything could happen in the next few months. And I'm looking forward to the day that Lyra decides to interrupt the podcast and defend herself against, however, her father has aggrieved her in the past week. I look forward to that. It's absolutely going to happen. I also look forward to us getting to the point where the questions are no longer from readers. It's just Dan and I asking Elizabeth how to be in the house with our children all day long.
2: (laughs) The the sad part is I'm also now in the house much more with the children than I was. I'm kind of in all of your boat as well. (laughs) So today on the show, we have tips for
3: teaching your kids during quarantine. For a lot of parents, such as myself, Schooling at home is a big adjustment, let alone those parents who are getting used to doing their own work from home and working from home with children and working from home are two very, very, very different experiences. I can tell you that. Plus, as always, we have triumphs and fails and recommendations. Let's start with you, Dan. Do you have a triumph or a fail for us this week?
1: I have a triumph this week. Surely my last one for the next couple of months. (laughs) I got in a big fight with harper the other night right around bedtime she's a real staller at bedtime so we often like sort of get into these mini tussles with her where we're like okay go to bed and she's like i am and then she comes out again to tell us some other thing and then we're like go to bed and she's like i am and then she comes out to tell us what other thing that she just thought of (laughs) so the other night she came out to tell me something for like the 10th time and i was like harper this is it you must go to bed Do not come out and tell me about anything else. There's no need to tell me anything else. You can wait till the morning. And she's like, oh, I am, Dad. I'm going to bed. And then a few minutes later, I walk back from the dining room to her room. And she's not there. She's not in her bed. She's gone. And I look down the stairs to the basement. And here she is coming up the stairs from the basement. And I'm like, (laughs) what uh, were you doing, Harper? And she goes, I just had to tell mom one other thing. And I said, you know, very sternly, Harper... I told you not to do that. I told you not to tell us more things. You must go to bed right now. Another thing about Harper is that she hates being spoken to even a little bit sharply. She just cannot take it. It just drives her nuts. And she starts crying immediately, no matter the level of sharpness of the conversation. Anything at a higher level than totally neutral conversation is too much for her. So she, of course, is like, well, don't yell at me. And I'm like... I'm not yelling Harper, but I am upset at you. I'm allowed to be upset when I tell you not to do something and then you just go and do it. So if you don't want me to be upset at you, then you should like do what I tell you to do and go to bed. So she went to bed crying. I'm aware that this so far does not sound like a triumph. Exactly. Although in my opinion, I was totally in the right in this case. Here's where the triumph comes in. I go back to the dining room. I'm back working maybe 10 minutes later. Lara comes out of her room and finds me in the dining room, and she goes, well, are you going to apologize to Harper or what? She said that Harper was still upset. She could hear Harper crying. She heard what I said to her. She thought I was very mean, so I needed to go apologize to her sister, and she was not going to go back to bed until I did. I, you know, I went and talked to Harper, and I tried to make her feel a little bit better while still making clear that she needed to do what I told her to do. But I just really found it touching and like a little remarkable, considering the tenor of their relationship most of the time, that Lyra really backed up her sister that way. That she was like, I see this injustice. I'm going to stand up to dad on Harper's behalf and make him apologize, because that's what you do when you're mean to someone. So good job, big sis. I'm very impressed with you. And good job me for creating a situation in which Lyra could have that kind of a triumph. So really, that's why it's a triumph for me.
2: Lyra, our president. Nothing brings two people together like the same enemy. That's, <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's great. Lyra is my president. She's the white uh-uh, AOC. And I
2: look forward to voting for her someday. Elizabeth, what about you? Do you have a triumph or a fail? Okay, so I came in here with a fail, but while we've been podcasting, I just got a text from my husband that makes this a triumph. So- I, you know, have three boys who I have mostly all potty trained, but the five-year-old who is almost six cannot wipe himself. And it is one of the most awful things because instead of doing anything about it, he just screams from the bathroom, come wipe me, come wipe me, come wipe me louder and louder and louder until someone shows up. And then there he is in like downward dog position (laughs) waiting for you to (laughs) wipe his butt And it's like, listen, it was cute when he was three. (laughs) It's so much less cute now. So I just decided that this was it. Like there was no more, you know, butt wiping. So I had put down my foot. I couldn't quite teach him how to do it. So I went with the Montessori method where you tape two balloons to the back of a chair and you put like marker on the balloons and they have to kind of reach around and clean between the balloons that did nothing. Yeah. The balloons are like the butt cheeks. And so you're like practicing.
1: I do not believe that Maria Montessori invented that.
2: They're doing it herself. all over Japan. <laughs> I, you know, who knows that Montessori is all about teaching the life skills, Dan. <laughs> we also tried peanut butter on a plate which can help you understand the pressure applied. No, literally he cannot do this for himself. So I just decided this was it. I was not doing it. And if that meant he was in the bathroom for the rest of his life, he was in the bathroom for the rest of his life. So it has been like a few days of just like tears. No amount of bribes will do anything. I can't get him to wipe himself. So we have had these like standoffs in the bathroom. He started wiping himself. Now I thought it was a failure because last night as I was tucking in the other kids, I heard him screaming for someone and i heard jeff walk down there and then things kind of resolved he came in went to bed so i said to jeff like oh did he wipe himself he's like no i wiped him i was like are you kidding me <laughs> like we have been through all this but jeff has just texted me that while i am here oliver has wiped himself so yay! <laughs> i don't know if it said i trained jeff or that i trained oliver but <laughs> doesn't matter Stone hopefully was i am now done with butt wiping
1: This is a great example of the kind of thing that if you told 10 years ago yourself that this is what you'd have to think about all day, you'd be like, what the fuck was my life going to turn into?
2: I've been butt wiping for seven years. Incredible. That's amazing. But now I'm done, hopefully. Until
1: we get old (laughs) and they have to wipe our
2: butts. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
3: That's something that causes me a lot of anxiety thinking about my return to butt wiping for my parents someday. Congratulations, Elizabeth. That's very exciting.
2: Has he been using flushable wipes? Yes, we use flushable wipes. And then I was trying to transition to some toilet paper. Listen, I tried everything with him. I cloth diapered, so I of course. So I had a diaper sprayer. I tried like, mm-hmm. hey, let's just bidet this situation and let him spray himself. No, no. So yes, the flushable wipes are the current winner. But, But you know,
1: how long my supply
2: of of those? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. America's out of toilet paper. So, it's just as well.
3: Well, they're also out of flushable wipes and baby wipes, too. So, I, about two days ago, thought that I was the first genius to be like, aha, I know what I can buy since there's no toilet paper left. I'm just going to order flushable wipes. Duh. I'm so smart. Gone. Long Gone. Baby wipes, I saw people who had actual babies walking around the baby aisle in Target, like, well, where could they be? And I was like, they haven't pieced together that they're all out. And so I was like, let me just watch this and see how long it takes them to figure out. And the disbelief was very palpable. So I'm sorry to people who have actual babies because adults like me were thinking that we could wipe our butts with (laughs) wet paper instead of toilet paper for the next couple
1: of months. Jamila, what about you? Triumph or fail?
3: So actually, I have a triumph as of Thursday, I am a licensed driver for the first time. In, wow. And yes, for the first time in about, I guess, 12 years, 11 years since I left DC. When I graduated from college. I moved to New York. I had a car, kept it there for a year. At some point after I had gotten rid of the car, my license expired. I had a DC license and I wasn't able to renew it online because I'd moved away owing them like $600 in parking tickets and stuff. And at 22, that's just the most unfathomable amount of money. And I'm not driving. So I'll get to this at some point. So I tried to go online and renew it. They were like, no, you need to come in in person. So for most of my 20s, I fully believed that I had warrants. Every time I had to submit to a background check, I was like, this is when it happened. This is when it goes down. This is when people find out that I'm a criminal and I've got warrants in D.C. I've been on my best behavior every time I go to D.C. for the past decade because I just knew if anything happened, they'd be like, that's the girl with the warrant. Seize her. And I'd end up in jail in Washington, D.C. for $600 in parking tickets. And so when I moved out here, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get a new license, buy a car take care of all this stuff. I ordered a copy of my driving record only to find out that I don't have one. My license was not suspended. It was just simply expired. I'm a person who at one point owned a car and that's literally it. So I went to driving school. Shout out to Naima's dad and stepmother. They bought me a couple of lessons. So I got like three lessons and the instructor took me to the DMV where I took my test and Like on the first rainy day in California, like history, it's pouring down rain and I passed my driving test. And so now I can drive and I actually have a rental car that I have to take back this afternoon because I used it to stock up on stuff because I don't know how I would have prepared for what's going on right now via Uber, because we had to go out to Hermano Beach or somewhere to find chicken and fish.
1: Great job. Congratulations. I have to say you you. were putting an enormous amount of unwarranted trust in the washington dc bureaucracy (laughs) that they would possibly have any memory of your driving time there
3: i can't believe how serious i thought this was and it was something i thought up at 22 or 23 that just stuck with me until i was 33 or 34 and then this year i was like wait they probably don't give a fuck and that was 600 dollars that's not so they'll get it at some point
1: hopefully no one there listens to the show
3: Hopefully, no one there listens to the show. But guess what? I have a license now. You can't take it back. So with that, before we move on, let's handle some business. Slate's Parenting Newsletter is the best place to be notified about all of our parenting content, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, and much more. It's a personal email from Dan every week. In fact, it is so personal that I have to confess, I just signed up last week, <laughs> but I responded to the email because I thought Dan was just talking to me (laughs) because it said the subject of last week's email was this is not the email. And so I was like, oh, maybe he saw because, again, in the same way, I thought that the District of Columbia was so Upset with me for $600 in parking tickets from 2005 to 2008 that they wanted to have me arrested. I thought that Dan somehow noticed that I'd signed up for the parenting letter. Somehow he knew and decided to let me know that he knew by sending me his draft of the email like I was getting a sneak peek. And so I responded to the email, but it is actually just a lovely email from Dan that went out to thousands of his friends last week. And you can get it too. sign up at slate.com backslash parenting
1: email. Pro tip, if you reply to the email, I don't get it. So I have no idea what you wrote, Jamila. Not a clue.
3: Also, check out our Facebook presence. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook. It's a really fun community. Now that I am going to be inside of my house for the foreseeable future, I'm planning on returning. I usually just kind of come in click like, let a few people in the group moderate some comments and dip back out. But I'm committing to getting back in the group again. It's a really fun community, and it's moderated so it doesn't get out of control, which means nobody's going to be in there being mean like they are in the comments section of Karen Feeding. Just search for Flate Parenting on Facebook and join us. And be sure to answer the questions that are asked of you. Otherwise, we can't let you in the group. In Slate Plus today, we're going to be talking about great shows for quarantine entertainment. And here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have
1: Slate Plus. I have not thought about Meteor Man in so long. That is a great Robert Townsend movie. Yes. Highly recommended.
3: And it's streaming. It's streaming on Amazon Prime and Netflix, which I'm very excited about. I have not seen it in quite some time, but it is at the top of our to watch list this week. To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. Slate Plus is our membership program. It's a great way to support us. and For just $35 for your first year, you can help cover the cost of producing Mom and Dad are Fighting and your other favorite Slate shows. And of course, in return, you'll get extended ad-free versions of this show and other great Slate shows, plus a ton of other great benefits. $35 for your first year. If you want to support Mom and Dad are Fighting, go to Slate.com backslash mom and join Slate Plus today. So, of course, we wanted to take some time today to talk about the ever-evolving situation that's keeping us in our houses right now, the coronavirus. There's been a lot of discussion in the Facebook group and in our personal circles, of course, and amongst our colleagues about adjusting to schooling from home. And we're so grateful, again, to have Elizabeth with us to give us some tips on how to make that transition as smooth as possible. So we're going to start out by talking about our organizational schemes in the quarantine era. Obviously, I'm going to have the least to offer here because that is not my strong suit. But Dan, let's start with you. Talk about what your family has been doing since you've been in the house and how long you've been in the house.
1: All right. So we got the email last Friday. So last Friday was the kids final day of school. As I said last week, we knew it was going to be any day. So Ali and I had been thinking a lot about, well, what is home life going to look like when the kids are just home all the time and we obviously still have to work? So we decided that what we were most worried about was not so much that we are like teaching them math every single day, but that they have a mix of activities that they know they have to do each day that are not being all up in our face, just asking us about stuff. And so we have set a rule for our kids That each day before 6 p.m., they have to successfully complete five things on a list. Each of the things on the list are one-hour blocks of some kind of activity that we think is important, and I'm going to run through them right now, one hour of some outside activity, one hour of schoolwork, one hour of Writing letters or making phone calls or FaceTiming relatives or faraway friends. One hour of completing things on the to-do list that Ollie and I have set up for them, which is, you know, stuff like Lyra applying for summer jobs or Harper doing a very specific task with a friend or whatever.
3: Lyra can come be my nanny for the summer. Done.
1: I'm worried about social distancing, but I'll float that by her. I don't know if you want Naima, like, espousing exactly what Lyra would be teaching her.
3: I think she already does, so.
1: One hour of chores, one hour of reading, one hour of playing games with another person, one hour of more reading. So there's eight possible things. And in every day, they have to complete five of those things, their choice, by 6 o'clock p.m. We have created a really handy acronym for them to remember this, the magic word, combining the first letters of all eight of these activities, it's Osseltergum. It just really rolls off the tongue. Oselturgum. We have a big chart up in the kitchen, which I will post to the Facebook page so people can see it. And every day they know they have to complete five hours of these activities. That leaves an enormous amount of time for them, of course, to be on their screens, to do other things to goof off and do nothing, to pester us still. They're still, believe it or not, finding ways to pester us. But it has so far given some kind of structure to the day. It was clear that what they didn't want was a, like, moment-to-moment schedule. That would drive Lyra in particular crazy. But we also didn't want to say, okay, here are some things you should accomplish every day. We hope you do, and leave it at that. So we tried to create a kind of list of possible activities that would combine sort of learning with just being out and about in the world and making things happen for themselves that were not required to make happen for them. We also have told them they're responsible for their own breakfasts and lunches each day and that one night a week they also have to cook dinner for everyone in the family. So that is the setup that we have. It's somewhat flexible while still like mandating that they do some things. Elizabeth, what do you think of the magic that is? Yeah. <laughs> What suggestions do you have maybe for improving or rethinking some of the stuff that we're doing?
2: I love this. This is actually a similar system to what we use with my seven-year-old. So we use different systems based on the child just because my kids are so different. So for our seven-year-old, we do the same thing. We leave him a list in the morning that are the things that he's supposed to accomplish during the day. It is much less time. Than we have in the day. And some of that is stuff he would need me to help him with. But essentially he's in charge of deciding when he's gonna do this. And once he completes that, the time is his. And what I hold back is basically screen time is not an option during this time. So at any point, he can like decide he would rather play outside. We also kind of say that once he starts an activity, he needs to complete it with some modifications. But like if he sits down to do, let's say his math work, he really needs to do his math work. Now My times are shorter. Like, one of the things I use is that we spend no more than 15 minutes, like, on a forced activity is what I would call it. The kids can always decide they want to spend more time. Your kids are obviously older, so I think an hour may be appropriate. But, like, for... Reading. We have 15 minutes of reading, like what I call a school book, which is like a harder book of their grade appropriate level versus like reading the other books that we have in the house, which is great. But, you know, my seven-year-old would choose these Dutch Donald Duck comic books for every reading all the time. <laughs> and it's like, that's, I mean, that's... <laughs> we also
1: have a bunch of those. Yeah.
2: Well, they're great. You know, I also want him reading some books that are, well, first in English and also of his grade level. So I've just limited the time to 15 minutes just to stop fighting. I sort of once they start an activity, kind of help them for 15 minutes. And then wherever we are on that, we just sort of say like, okay, do you want to continue? And sometimes they do. Sometimes they get really into the groove of doing whatever they're doing. But one of my roles is, and I think you've set this up in your plan, is basically to try not to fight about doing schoolwork. I don't know. Is there like a consequence if they if they haven't finished their five?
1: That's a great question. There should be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we don't know what it is yet. Probably would just be the we would take away screen time, right? That's the only thing they care about.
2: Yeah. So that's ours is that instead of it, I guess it is a consequence, but we pitch it as a advantage. Like, oh, if you rushed through, if you got all these things done, the rest of the day would be yours to do whatever you want on your iPad. And some days that does really work. But I feel like instead of trying to fight with them to get these things done, and I do see a lot of that on the Slate Parenting Facebook page, like people don't want to have these Negative interactions about forcing their child to do work. And I think that that doesn't need to be part of your homeschool. There are going to be some adjustments as you become the teacher and the parent. When I did the Slate Plus on this, I talked about how it took me about a year. And one of the hard lessons was we're not fighting about work. If you're not going to get this done, there's this consequence. And I do enforce the consequence But I'm not going to sit down and make you do this math or make you do this reading because that doesn't work. And that's where I found that for Henry, the choice like you're offering, like some days he wants to do his math early or he's able to just do it even before I'm out of my room dressed. Other days he needs a lot of help and it's nice for him to make those decisions. If it seems like it's not working, though, like for my five-year-old, you know, who just learned to wife himself, a chart like that would not (laughs) work for him because he's oblivious. Like the thing he says the most is like, oh, oh, right. He's completely (laughs) yeah, like, oh, I do know how to do this. So I think that for him, I do use more of like a block schedule. There's been one going around on Facebook. That's all different colors. People can make their own where he has some choice because I think one of the advantages of homeschooling is teaching your kids to budget their own time and that they can make some learning choices. But in general, I think you've chosen a great system. But as time goes on, you will need to be ready to make, you know, modifications. And I think also, like, is there any like rule about you have to choose a different five or
1: like, we did say that if we notice that you are simply not choosing something like schoolwork, for example, for multiple days, we have the right to mandate that on the next day, that must be one of the things you do. We have not tested that yet. We'll see. There's a lot of like bylaws yeah. and codicils.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do find that to be true. Like the system I kind of set out with a year ago is not at all the system that I have now, even though I would say like a year ago is when I was kind of cemented in homeschooling and really knew what I was doing. But things change. Like even with this, our whole thing has changed because homeschooling for me involved a lot of like being out with people and being out doing things and going places and all of that is gone. So all of these kind of built-in breaks that we had are just gone.
1: I will say also that we did, against my wishes, polder this out with our kids and present them our proposal and then field their questions and suggestions and modify it a lot already based on some Thoughts and concerns that they had, all of which were obviously bullshit, but I took them seriously.
2: I think you need buy in from them. Like this is really a partnership, especially because what we're talking about now is like you working from home and them schooling at home. It's not like when I set up the homeschool schedule, it was like, okay, this is something that we all do together. And like Jeff's schedule was not really part of that. Plan. Now, all of a sudden, it's like his schedule when he's home working, there have to be some expectations about when is dad going to be available and when is he not going to be available. It is hard for kids to not like they want your attention. And so, if that's not built into the schedule at some point, I think everyone's going to end up disappointed.
0: Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
2: So I got
3: the, I didn't get the email. I got the tweet on Friday. They tweeted it. I found out on Twitter. I went from a, God, like since Christmas, I've been largely off Twitter. Twitter is my social media vice of choice. And I can lose days getting caught up in the news or whatever's going on in the world and obsessing over it via Twitter. And so I made a decision to put it aside and focus on my, actual life and work and child. And around, I guess, the week or so leading up to Super Tuesday, I kind of fell back into the trap and then COVID-19 happens. And so I have been spending my days obsessing over all details and all new cases and monitoring to see what was going to happen with the L.A. Unified School District, which did wait until what felt like the 11th hour to announce that. There would be school closures starting Monday of this week for the next two weeks at least. And that also has us going back allegedly for four days before going off on spring break for a week. We have no reason to believe that we're going to be in school for at least a month. I find this out on Friday Naima went to her dad's house on Sunday. I didn't get to do day one. So today is my day one of homeschooling. And she was dropped off today around. 10 o'clock, a little bit later than we'd originally planned. Naima's stepmother, who you've heard me speak of before, is a lovely woman and an educator and incredibly organized in ways that I am not. And she has put together a brilliant schedule. Naima has a five-year-old brother, so the two of them are going to be in the house together some days. We haven't updated our calendar for the month yet. I was supposed to be in New York this past weekend, I was supposed to go back to New York tomorrow for a few days. We typically try to do two nights in a row um, in one particular household as opposed to doing like an every other night kind of thing. So we'll have to figure out what that looks like for us here. But she's put together this great itinerary that I'm really excited to attempt, but also a little bit daunted by 7 a.m. Hygiene, so that's bath, shower stuff, 8 a.m. Nature walk. Nine o'clock snacks. And there are A days and B days, mind you, but these are the consistent things. So 10 a.m., either crafts or teaching time with the Dreambox tablet. I think that's some of the work that was sent home from school. A days, the next hour is math worksheets. B days, it's the Starfall app. Lunch at 12, an hour of reading and writing, an hour of snack and crafts, an hour of outside play, and then they get TV time, and then dinner, then bath, and then a movie if they've had a good day. To me, it feels reasonable.
2: Do you feel like you can implement that? Like, does that seem reasonable for you? Like the schedule sounds amazing, but I just wondered when you read that, do you feel like, oh yeah, I can manage this? I do. I just think it's going to start
3: a bit perhaps later in the day. Maybe (laughs) I will admit that today was the first day that I've gotten out of bed at a single digit number. (laughs) like, I've been spending my nights obsessing over all things coronavirus and reading too much and freaking out. And I've bought wine. It just sits on the table. I don't even, like, drink it. The wine doesn't calm me down because it just sits on the table as I fretfully like, hunch over my phone and ruin my already messed up posture and and read all things coronavirus. So... I wake up late because I'm tired and stressed out. And the idea of getting out of bed scares me. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I read about all things coronavirus and I freak out some more. And so now I've had a couple of days to do that and I have to get back on responsible adult mode. But I do think we can achieve this. I don't think there were going to be getting up at seven and getting in the shower this week. I aspire to get that started next week. But I do feel like it's a lot more breathable than I thought it might be. You know, one of the challenges, as you mentioned, is like just because mom or dad are there doesn't mean that you can have my undivided attention for the entire duration of the school day. So I still have to work, I still have to write. And I've been working remotely for the better part of two years. And the entire time we've been in California, I've been without an office space. You know, I go to coffee shops, I write from the house. I come do the podcast once a week. And so there have been days where Naeem was with me. And every time that she was with me, when I had writing work to do, that work was compromised. So I'm feeling a bit anxious about that. But I also think that between all of the work that the school was sent home and some of the other educational programs that we have accessible, that we will make it. And worst case scenario, I'm just going to put on the new edition story and go hide in my closet and let her raise herself for a few hours.
2: Yeah, I think that is a totally reasonable way to approach it. Well, first, like on starting and ending times, I mean, one of the things I love about homeschooling is that we start and end when it's appropriate. I think, you know, this is not the time to let a child now be up all night, I think having some set schedule. But if you have a kid that sleeps in in the morning, it's okay, I think, to let them sleep in now and start a little bit later. And if that means you have that morning time to use, great. I am not an early riser and I have early risers. And so one of the things I do is set up, I call it a morning basket and it's full of like stuff they can do on their own. That's educational. Henry's stuff is on his checklist. Even Oliver kind of knows to come out and get those things. Although Oliver sleeps later, which is nice. So Henry can get up and get started on things before I'm up. And I think it's okay too, to let some of the like standards of school, like Everyone needs to brush their teeth, but you don't have to get dressed every day. I think those are okay things to say, like, we are in a special scenario here, and it's okay to let some of those things go. I mean, you're going to have to let something go. You can't keep a tidy house if you have three children running around. And that was one of the first things I had to let go was like, things are just not going to be clean all the time. Things are not going to be quiet all the time. Even if Jeff's working and I'm keeping them like quiet and out of his way, that does not mean that the house is silent, (laughs) right? (laughs) Whoever he's on a call with is going to hear our children. That's just Mm -hmm. kind of the reality. If you're giving yourself some grace and You're lucky because I think the older the kids are, the easier it is to let them do stuff on their own. I really feel for people that now have preschoolers at home. My three-year-old is like just attached to me, even giving him things to do. I often just like put him at the floor with an activity at my feet because he seems to be more focused if I don't have to leave the room to go do something. But I think that's where it gets really hard because you can't even rationalize with them. Like, I have to do this thing. And preschool is basically like you have someone, I think even kindergarten, basically attending to your child the whole time they are gone and keeping them entertained. And so the idea that you can maintain that at home while doing the same quality and quantity of work is something that I think the whole system is gonna have to figure out during this time. I love the idea of the what did you call the basket? The morning basket. The morning basket. What kind of things do you have in there? So in there, like for my seven year old, I have a mad libs in there, which he loves and then likes Mm -hmm. to read to me after. And they have, if your kid's not quite up to mad libs, they have mad libs junior where there are some Mm -hmm. suggested words and they're sorted by noun, verb, adverb. So it's kind of helps them learn as well. I have some workbooks. My kids are really into these brain quests, but they're summer workbooks. Mm -hmm. They have this like roadmap and the pages are all mixed up. And as you complete things, you get to put stickers on this path. And those are really great. I put a puzzle in there that they could start. And my kids like to do puzzles with timers. Um, Sometimes I put a thing of like stuff to ask Alexa to do. So it's all kinds of stuff. (laughs) I mean, Alexa can homeschool them, right? That's fine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll have like toys or things that we got that then I put away. So we do something called Lego challenge where I leave a prompt and they all have to build something. So yesterday I asked them all to build a holder for my phone so that like when we're on FaceTime or something, it holds the phone up and they all went off and built those. So I'll just leave those in the basket. And since Henry can read and Oliver can sort of sound things out they usually kind of figure it out and go off their own way but our kind of schedule in the morning is that I don't really like to start school until I have like gotten myself ready made up the master bedroom so that it is neat because it is the only place that will stay neat all day and get my coffee and so this allows them to like have stuff that they're doing and I'm checking in on And if your kid's into, like, mazes, there are great maze books. There are great dot-to-dot books. I think one time I talked about this paint-by-sticker books. Like, all of these activity books are things that they can get started, will enjoy, and are semi-educational.
1: I think one thing that a lot of parents are struggling with right now, which is not something that full-time homeschoolers struggle with, is this question of, am I the teacher now? And the older your kids get... I think the more guidance you're getting from their teachers and the more direct assignments that they are doing for those teachers, but we still have this concern. And I think that parents of small children have it even more acutely that, oh, if they are not in school, I now have to think of myself as their teacher. And I'm not convinced that that is like the best way for non full-time homeschoolers to think about
2: it. I would agree. I think once you start to homeschool, this is not to like devalue in any way schools or what teachers do, but you sort of think of education kind of more globally and that your job is to like, foster them. So I think that if you are home, you don't necessarily need to be their teacher. Your goal is to sort of take hopefully what your school district is giving you or your teachers are giving you, which from what my friends, my friends forwarded me a bunch of stuff to kind of say, Hey, this is what they're offering. Do you have any ideas? It seems like there is a plethora of information out there. And your job is sort of like, think of it as like preventing summer slide. Like we're in this very serious situation and we could be in this situation because your town was ravaged by a hurricane or fires or something else else. There is a lot of stuff going on in the world. You don't need to like apply the academic rigor that they were getting if the world was normal. What you need to do is, you know, make sure that they are getting some exposure to kind of reading, to math, to some other stuff other than just like playing a video game or passively watching that, right? So they're having like a life that has some interaction to it. But you don't necessarily need to be the teacher any more than you are when you're helping with homework. There were some comments about people wanting to know, what do you do if you don't know how to teach something? So I think your first resource is your child's teacher. You can ask them. Are we supposed to be presenting new material? Do you want us to be reviewing stuff? That's why some of these workbooks, you can go on teacher pay teacher and all kinds of people are offering free worksheets that you can just download and have your kid do. And a lot of them are quite fun. Like there's ones to do math to solve puzzles or escape room type things that they work out right there that are, they're really fun. They download them for free and print them. But I think there's lots of things just to keep their brains working but I also think like our main focus should be that like the world is scary right now for everybody. It's scary for adults. It's scary for children. And our job as the parents is like to protect and reassure our children. And part of that of course is preventing this academic slide, but also just academics are something that are part of these kids lives and keeping that somewhat consistent makes kids feel safe. So, Overall, I think everyone needs to give themselves a little bit of grace. Like, these are extraordinary parenting situations, not regular parenting situations. The fact that you are posting or worried about this at all means your kids are going to be fine.
1: <laughs> One thing that uh, I found really heartening was actually shared with me by beloved former Mom and dad are fighting co-host Allison Benedict, now deceased. Rest in peace, Allison.
3: Wait, you said beloved. I was like, are you changing your tune on the former (laughs) host now that we're in a very different world? But I see that she's still still beloved, but
1: she is unfortunately dead. But she did mention to me this morning that she got a great email from an administrator at her kid's school who obviously was just getting 10 million emails from parents being like, where are my children's assignments? How do I make sure they're not falling behind? Blah, 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 blah. And this administrator said something which I think is just very useful for parents everywhere to remember. Everyone else's kids are also out of school. Your child is not going to fall behind all the other children because of this. And in May, or let's face it, September, when everyone actually returns to school, the teachers are going to remember that everything was fucked up last spring. And they're going to take that into account. So my... Strongest advice to everyone is like, do not spend hours and hours and hours obsessing about how to become the best seventh grade math teacher you possibly can be. That is not your job and it will be fine. And I think Elizabeth's advice to think about academics as a way to comfort and maintain order and familiarity for your children while also keeping their brains active is a lot more useful a way to think about it than... Making sure that they absolutely learn all the long division that they're supposed to be learning right this exact second.
2: Like most people don't worry about it too much over the summer. I understand we're adding time to that. Kids are resilient, and what we are teaching them right now is more about how to survive when bad stuff happens in life and things don't go the way that they were planned and how you cope and how they're gonna cope. And that is so much more important to their overall success than learning long division or whether they finish this really important book because all of that can be done in the future. Speaking of, I'm curious to know
3: if there are some things that you two were planning to or have thought about teaching your kids that are not directly tied or related to the curriculum that they've been doing at school. I know Dan has talked a few times in the past about how excited he and his wife were to introduce the girls to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, you know, we've talked about books and things that we loved growing up or or that we liked as adults so we really want to get our kids into. One thing I'd like to be intentional about doing during this time period is introducing Naima to music. She's got her favorite artist. She's a huge Beyonce fan. She is a new edition encyclopedia she knows all things about the group new edition and the various acts there within but i want to introduce her to some of the foundations of the hip-hop and r&b and jazz and things that she's heard in her houses growing up so what sort of non-traditional or not assigned by the school district lessons are you all drumming up
1: you know the T in osteologram is to-do list. It's stuff that we add, you know, sort of special projects we think they should do. And one of those special projects is learning some other skill, learning magic, or learning yoga, or doing whatever we said, for the tea in Astalurgurgam, you can watch a YouTube video, like an instructional video. So Lyra is trying to teach herself magic right now, using a book that someone gave her for Christmas like three years ago, and YouTube videos. So we'll see how it goes, but I love the idea of just finding odd skills that they could be learning right now and seeing if they spark to them. What about you, Elizabeth?
2: My whole homeschool is set up to do just this. (laughs) to teach other stuff so we are doing this whole harry potter curriculum right now and we have kind of like electives and we are leaving potions which was like kitchen chemistry and we are headed into herbology and we have planted a little garden and we're learning to identify and use the things growing in our garden which could not have come at a better time as uh, we'll be eating all the kale we planted this winter
1: <laughs> i'm just glad they're eating something that isn't detergent yeah exactly
2: exactly or soap or whatever. I mean, is eating weeds better? Let's just, I mean, we're picking dandelions and making tea. So I don't know. The line is thin, but I love that opportunity. And I think teaching things that you love. So having your kids help with cooking or learning about music that you love too, or sharing those, but also giving them the opportunity to learn something that they love. And one of the things we kind of took from our school in the Netherlands is they did these research projects there. They would call them workshops, and the kids would spend time doing a whole PowerPoint presentation and then presenting it to the class. So we still um, have the kids do that, and they choose all kinds of cool topics and present us semi-factual information. and <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's a good, it's a good learning for everyone, but it's fun too. Cause they get to introduce us to the stuff that they're really into. The boys are very into Pokemon cards right now, which I know nothing about. And so the most recent workshops have all been on different Pokemons and it's fun to have them take this opportunity and this like space and time to like learn about that as well. But as my project, as soon as I realized that we were going to be at home, I, I, Ordered a whole bunch of insects for us to watch at home. So we had little ladybugs that hatched and we released them. And I've got three pods of, oh gosh, not grasshoppers, but praying mantises. And I've got some caterpillars that are making cocoons. It
1: is worth noting that a great thing you can order on Amazon is a thousand live ladybugs.
2: Yes. Yeah. My ladybugs actually came with my praying mantises. So,
1: because the (laughs) praying mantises are hungry.
2: Well, they're still in the little pods. (laughs) And so I released the ladybugs and then the praying mantises were waiting for them to hatch. And our caterpillars are growing. I'm not sure if any of this is advisable. If your temperatures are still low in Florida, it's warm enough for bugs. Dan, I think you've been at this
3: longer than we have, this whole parenting thing. Do you have any tips? It's typically the preschoolers that are clingy and want to crawl in your lab and don't really have a, a clear understanding of what it means to be present while you're working. but. Tips for staying focused on the task at hand, which aside from homeschooling, of course, is paying bills and making sure that we have a home to school from. So any suggestions for folks that are struggling to focus on their telework while also being a new teacher?
1: It's very, very difficult, you know, and the real lesson of our year away was just how much we depended on the structure of being out of our hair that school gave our kids. The best I can say is if you have a kid at home who isn't usually at home and you are also trying to do your job, you hopefully are working for a company that understands the situation and is willing to be flexible with you. And don't be afraid to advocate for yourself and give very specific instructions or make very specific requests to your manager about what you need to be able to be as successful as you can be during this time. And to be cognizant of the fact that what success looks like in the next couple of months is going to be very different from what success in your job looks like most of the time. Now, not everyone has that. Not everyone has a manager who's going to be accepting or is going to think about those things or is going to care about those things. That's tough. But the thing that you Should always be thinking about with your kids, I think, is the fact that you have the ability to set them to tasks and you should use that ability whenever you possibly can. And you should probably assume that for the near future, the time in the evening that you maybe once spent watching an extra half hour of some TV show or smoking weed or hanging out or getting drinks with friends or relaxing in some way, you probably need to devote at least a little bit of that time to the kind of planning that Elizabeth has been talking about to give yourself things that your kids can do independently over the course of the next day. And some of those things you'll succeed at Some of those things you'll fail at. Some of those things will work and they'll catch your kid's attention for a long time. And they'll give you that half hour that you need to finish a project. Some things will totally flop and they won't give a shit about them. But spending at least some of your time the evening before thinking about what are the things that are going to get my kids out of my hair and doing something independently tomorrow is I think really crucial. And that hasn't been a part of my life usually up till now, except for in times in our life when our kids haven't been at school and we've needed to get stuff done during the day. And so sort of revisiting that thought and knowing that that's going to be part of my evening every night is thinking about what are some of the things the kids are going to do tomorrow has been really, really valuable.
2: Just drop your standards some too.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
2: (laughs) It's okay if you get some quiet time and you come back and every bin in the playroom is dumped out, it is okay. If that is how I'm going to pay for the quiet time, fine. I've also found like I walk in and the kids are doing something that is like, it's not harmful to them, but normally I would stop it. And I just think that's okay. Like back away slowly. If they're outside spraying each other with the hose, it's like, This is okay because I'm getting that time I need now. And I think be a good steward of your time, which is hard. Just know that like time is the resource that we all don't have enough of now. And trying to use what you have wisely can be hard and difficult, but it's sort of where we are. You know, if you can do any chores with your kids in tow and having them help, even if they're not done perfectly, that's gonna buy you five minutes at the end of the night. And I think you have to take those little you know, just those little time savers and those little wins to amass enough time to get done what you need to get done.
3: Well, listeners, I hope that was helpful to you as it was to me. If you're interested in asking us some specific questions about homeschooling, because we're probably going to be doing this for quite some time or anything else, send us an email at com. Before we get out of here, it's time for recommendations. So, Elizabeth, what do you have for us as your first official recommendation as an official Permanent
2: host of mom and dad or family? No pressure. I am going to recommend no pressure. in this time of crisis practicing some gratitude in your own home. And I have two ways I'm going to recommend this. The first is with your spouse, partner people living in your home, we have a little picture frame in our bathroom. It has no photo in it, just the glass. And it says, thank you for, I'm thankful for. And my husband and I write just little things that we are thankful for each other on there with a dry erase marker. You can just erase it, put the next one. And I think when everybody is in the home and it is crazy and everyone is stressed, it is very easy to be annoyed. And it is so nice to walk into you know, like our bathroom space and see that he has just written a little like something he noticed that I took care of. And it just sort of makes me feel better. When I write something about him, it also makes me think about the nice things he's done and focus less on the small things. And we do something similar with the kids. We have a little like board that we stick up little things about them. But for the kids, we use something called the three minute gratitude journal for kids. And the spread contains like a space to list out three things you're thankful for, one person who brought you joy and how you felt about your day. And we just use that. I like ask them the questions and we write it down. And it's a great way to just reflect on our day. And since we are mostly together now, that means that the person bringing joy is usually from the house. And it's just a nice way to wrap up what I think can otherwise be kind of a tumultuous and chaotic, manage some feelings in the home. Very nice.
1: So nice. You guys are so nice. (laughs) I think you might- be too nice for this show. So <laughs> well, I'm I have to practice to gratitude because I am
2: I can be <laughs> mean possible. to my spouse. That is the problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am recommending something much less heartwarming, but still great. We have just ordered it today for our kids because I was inspired by the Instagram post of a very good friend of mine. Shout out to Claire. She got her kid a label maker and uh, her son, Leo, now is just labeling everything in the house with insane labels. So like now all their things of milk say cow juice on them and all their like mango seltzers say mango blood on them. And their coffee says adult energy capsules and all the pairs of glasses in the house now have labels on them that say glasses. So this just seemed delightful to me. So we are buying label maker for our kids to play with Harper particularly really likes organizing things and many of her to do tasks in her uh, Ossol daily plan is organizing things around the house. So we think she will in particular have a great time with a label maker. Label makers, super fun for kids. I recommend them, or at least I hope so, because we're about to get one in the mail. (laughs) Jamila, what about you?
3: Well, I would like to recommend an article by Comrade Dan Qua that appears on Slate.com, ran last week on the 14th, and it's called America is a Sham. I'm just going to read a very quick snippet of it. Dan talks about some of the things that the policies and practices and rules that have been changed recently in the wake of coronavirus and the need to keep people safe from allowing people to bring up to 12 ounces of hand sanitizer on an airplane, despite the previous rule that you could only bring three ounces of liquid, and San Antonio, Texas, announcing that they're going to stop locking up people for minor offenses to avoid the virus spreading through the prison population and the possible change to interest on loans to attend college and police no longer being involved in tenant evictions in certain major cities. All these things that could have been changed quite easily without there being some sort of great national panic and tragedy, but that had not been. And so Dan writes in every single one of these cases it's not just that most of these practices are accepted as quote unquote standard it's that they are a way to punish people to make lives more difficult or to make sure the money keeps flowing upward. Up until now, activists and customers have been meant to believe that the powers that be could never change these policies. It would be too expensive or too unwieldy or would simply upset the way that things are done. But now, faced suddenly with an environment which we're all supposed to appear at least focused on the common good, the rulemakers have decided it's okay to suspend them. He goes on to write, so what will happen after the crisis passes? Yes, it's worth asking yourself now in the early days of this pandemic how you might change your behavior, what temporary adjustments in your lifestyle you might adopt permanently in the aftertimes. But it's also worth asking if we are willing to allow governments and corporations to return to business as usual. I am always so heartened When folks come to realize that America is a sham and as somebody who was raised from birth to think of America as a sham, a sham and a scam, it was a very isolating and lonely experience at times. And the no is spreading, much like the coronavirus. So welcome, Dan. I'm happy to have you on the team. And I look forward to your leadership and support as we overthrow the government in the weeks to come.
1: As always. Jamila Lemieux's feelings do not represent the feelings of everyone at Slate.com.
3: <laughs> That's why you hired me.
1: <laughs> but that was very nice of you to recommend that piece. That piece was written in a flurry of annoyance on Saturday, posted after a very good edit from the late Alison Benedict. And much to my surprise, it turned out to be the most read thing I have ever written in my entire life.
3: Well, congratulations. It's a great piece of work and something that a lot of us are grappling with. And there's a link to it in the show page. So you can check it out for yourself, readers. And hopefully YouTube will get on board with the anarchy that Dan and Lyra are planning. That is our show for this week. Once again, if you have a question that you'd like to hear answered here, email us at slate.com. Join us on Facebook just by searching Slate Parenting. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Dan Klaw and Elizabeth Newcamp. I'm Jamila Lemieux.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today